Coming to you live from the belly of the Sarlacc pit, it's the Movie Change-Up Podcast Disney Plus Weekly Review, where each week I, Joe Fricky, and my host, Tristan Mayer, break down each week in Disney Plus. Uh, if you've watched our show before, you know exactly what we're about. If you haven't before, basically the idea behind this show is, hey, you probably got Disney Plus for whatever Marvel shows out or Star Wars shows out, and but you're also like, hey, what else is out there that I can be watching? That's what we're here for to do. We review everything that comes out, you know, as it premieres. Some things we keep up with because they keep our interest. Some things don't. And we kind of tell you if this is something you should watch, maybe who we would recommend this for. Uh, but yeah, if you've been watching our show, we kind of did a redesign of our kind of layout on the screen. And if you've only been listening to the audio format of the show, then you really don't care about my last two sentences. Uh, anyways, uh, Tristan, uh, you know, we've had a few releases this week. What are your general thoughts on Disney Plus for this week? Yeah, uh, we've had a few releases, thankfully, because I think the flagship release has been kind of a letdown. And I think this week culminated a lot of the disappointments I've been having with some of the episode so far for the big flagship Boba Fett episode but thankfully I think everything else that dropped around it was very good and elevated the week a lot so sure this show maybe be a dud for me overall but I think Disney Plus is still delivering for me especially this week we had some great stuff to talk about with Encanto especially I'm gonna to talk about that Moon Knight trailer I'm excited for more stuff so even though there's a dud in the front of it I think we got a whole lot of good to talk about so uh, yeah, Book of Boba Fett's kind of been disappointing a little bit, but I think just the nature of the beast, if you were to go back to like when them them saying like, hey, we're going to do shows on Disney Plus, I think just the nature of like it's, you know, quality of a show is never a guarantee. There's always going to be a few duds. So I think the fact that it's a character I never really cared all that much about, like I was somewhat interested in it. But if you were to mark down like the shows we have upcoming and it was like, okay, one of them is going to be a little underwhelming which one would you pick boba fett's probably the one i would pick because it's the one i'm like eh, about the most um but yeah uh, let's just get right into it uh book of boba fett essentially the plot of this episode is we kind of kick off to with the uh flashback of uh or kind of the ending scene of what in the middle season one episodes where boba fett rescues fennec shand and we see her or we see him take her to one of the mod parlors, which looked exactly kind of like the Star Wars version of a tattoo parlor, which I thought was pretty cool. And I like that aspect. I like kind of the first two minutes of this episode and about the last, like, five minutes. Everything else in between was kind of boring. But, yeah, essentially after that, he picks her up, and he's like, all right, I need to go get my ship. And we spend a big portion of the episode on him getting a ship. Once they get the ship, he's like, oh, you know, I need an army and all that. Flash forward to present day. And he's like, basically, you can't do things without a tribe. Flash forward to present day. And it's just him talking with uh, Black Kersantan, recruiting him to his group. We see Black Kersantan fight some Trandoshans, which seems weird and out of place if you're not deep into Star Wars lore and know that there's just like this massive rivalry that's like a long-standing rivalry between the Wookiees and the Trandoshans. Because if you don't know that, it just seems super out of place in what is going on. Other than this guy just has an attitude problem. And then, uh, yeah, Boba Fett kind of tries to broker peace between the Trandoshans and these various groups on Tatooine and his new kind of crime family. But it doesn't exactly go great. He's got to use, you know, his new pet as a threat. 
But yeah, ultimately for me, I kind of like the ending part. Like I said, I like the beginning part. But really, uh, if you were to say, Jill, give me a list of 25 things you want to see in the book of Boba Fett before it premiered, I wouldn't have even thought to be like, oh, him getting his ship back because I just didn't care. Like, I think I thought about this because uh, I did a rewatch uh, tonight. Uh, I was kind of thinking it would have been faster and almost more badass if he had just walked up to where it was and he said, yeah, I'd like the ship and lot, whatever, 320C. And, you know, the person looks it up. It's like, oh, that's been in our system for five years. It's probably, you know, reduced to scraps at this point and Boba Fett. And the guy looks up, realizes it's Boba Fett, and realizes, like, no one's even touched the ship because they know it's Boba Fett's ship, and he just hands the keys. And you have a scene that makes him look cool, look badass, and boom, you're done in two minutes. You know? But I'll let you talk about this, because I think you have a little bit stronger feelings than I do. Yeah, I was super disappointed by the episode. I thought it was kind of a culmination of nothing happening, and I, I mentioned last week that I kind of joked that I thought they, they showed nothing in the marketing because it turns out nothing happens in the show. And I feel like that was true here, too. Uh, it feels like we spent a whole episode uh, explaining things that didn't need to be explained, you know, answering questions that no one was really asking. And it felt like a, a, a large waste of time. And you said oh, a lot of it was about him getting his ship back. And I think that kind of was so frustrating for me to watch because I just don't I'm tired of characters constantly going back and getting the thing that they already had before and if we're gonna have this whole arc it would be cool to see boba fett go and be like oh i need a new ship i need to make my own ship i need something that i can like define as my own so it's boba fett kind of building his own ship or something like that and, and it's gotta be like oh no i gotta go back out to get the exact ship the exact armor that i had before because it's gotta look like boba fett and also joe i have a question for you why did boba fett possibly think that his armor was in the sarlacc pit because he had it on him when he got out of the side yeah. like that. Originally, okay, so I was thinking this as well. Originally, I was like, well, he probably didn't remember, you know, because he was, like, knocked out and not feeling great. And, you know, the the Jawas peeled it off of him. And he probably maybe doesn't remember the order of the events. But then I remembered the only reason we saw that is we saw it through his memories. Because yeah, when he's in the back, it's, to me. It's, so like that doesn't make sense to me. If he had had to like take it off to like crawl out or something, it would have made sense. But I think to go back to your point, I don't really mind the whole like going back to get his armor, going back to get a ship. That's whatever. I don't care. But it's the fact that we know he gets his ship because we've seen it in the Mandalorian. So I'm like, if they wanted to donate, dedicate a scene to him getting back his ship, sure, fine, whatever, don't care. But they basically, the whole this whole episode was essentially dedicated to seeing him do something. We already know he did, and I don't think anyone really was, like, caring to see, oh, how did he get a ship back, you know? Because no one, it was never, like, a thing in Return of the Jedi of, like, Jabba, like, oh, you're never getting this ship back, and then he gets it in Mandalorian, and we're all like, how? It's just, okay, you gotta, no one, this was not a question anyone cared to ask, you know? Yeah, this and, seems to, for me, uh kind of scare me for what the future might hold for some of these shows like if this is what they're giving us now i do wonder like if this is this the highest they're aiming for or is this like a low wall of a show for them <laughs> because like the not just from the storytelling perspective but i look at like the actual way it's shot and the way it looks and the the coloring of it and the action is it's all so tv grade it's very much not big budget at all mm -hmm. and especially compared to mandalorian that was very much about like a movie scale budget and occasionally it looked uh, rough here and there once in a while but i wouldn't say it looks bad and this show to me does mm -hmm. look bad this 
yeah. for me is is one of the worst shows that I've seen on Disney Plus. I, w- I mean, if I'm talking Disney Plus originals, this is by far the the weakest one. Yeah, I mean, as far as I would say the Marvel Star Wars, because I've seen some other ones that are like not Marvel Star Wars that I think are lower than this. But I think of the live action Marvel Star Wars show, this is probably definitely the bottom. But yeah, I think as far as like the as far as the CG and the visual effects and stuff go in the Mandalorian, I always give it a little bit of a pass because I see them that as them like trying to find the limitations and boundaries of the volume. But they're working with the same equipment in Book of Boba Fett and it looks worse. And so it should be like a progression of the Mandalorian. It should be like, okay, we've kind of honed in even more on what this technology can do. So it should look better. But one of the questions I posed to you that I've been thinking about is the problem with this show. I mean, besides the visual aspects and it looking too much like TV, not so much the content of the show, but the order and the pacing. Cause I've been thinking, would the show be better if we if it wasn't told in a non-linear way and we told and they told it chronologically where we had the first episode was 50 minutes because this is another problem i had is apparently he spent five years with the jawas where before that line i if you had asked me how long was he with the jawas i would have said i don't know like two weeks maybe but if we had done if if the whole first episode opens with him escaping the sarlacc pit we see like various montages of him with the or not the jawas sorry i keep saying jawas i meant the uh, tuscans of him with the Tuscans in various montages and we see the whole thing and we feel like time elapses. It's like a 50 minute episode and the episode essentially ends with, you know, the Pikes have been harassing him. So he leaves to go take out, talk to the Pikes. He comes back and basically the episode ends with him like doing the funeral pyre for the Tuscans and like throwing the uh, stuff on there. So we have kind of this big emotional ending. Episode two is essentially the episode we just got. Minus all of the quote unquote present day gangster stuff. Yeah, I think and, and then episode the three that... would be basically all of the quote unquote present day gangster stuff that we've already seen just packed into one episode. And then so it would essentially be a six episode instead of a seven episode, probably. And, uh, and then because like I honestly feel at this point, based on just like what the actors have said of like, oh, episodes five, six, and seven, that's like the best stuff. And like how this episode had ended with the Mandalorian tease, I kind of feel like now we're off to the races where I feel like, cause I think so much of like going back to see stuff we didn't really need to see where I think if they had put it in just linear order, it would have been better overall. Yeah. If you're going to do a nonlinear narrative like this, the, the layers have to feed into each other, not yeah. necessarily plot wise, but like thematically or character wise. And I never, I never felt like it was, Oh, Boba Fett's facing a problem in the current state. Now he's going to flash back to some point. He was with yeah. a job was where he faced a similar problem. And it's going to like yeah. inform him on his current issue. That's what, that's how they should have worked this. Yeah, Cause that's how to me, it just felt like they had the through line of Boba Fett, with these gangsters, they didn't really have much there, and it was just kind of like ideas. And then they had this Jawa through line; they didn't have much there. It was just kind of like ideas, and they were like, "Well, let's just kind of put them side by side and mush them together, and and kind of get a whole season out of this." And it, it, this this feels very incomplete, and it feels like neither one of these storylines are interesting enough to be told, and don't really aren't told in any interesting way. Like you have Robert Rodriguez behind the camera, and it looks like the most boring thing possible. Yeah. Like. This is a very expressive director, whether it's in Spy Kids or Machete and some of his really Shark Boy and Lava Girl. Shark Boy and Lava Girl, like you can you can say they're not good, but they're all stylish and very expressive. Mm-hmm. And where is that here? Like the most they're getting is the biker gang it that does somewhat seem out of place even though I'm enjoying them and the, I think 
it, it, yeah, I don't know what the show is is for yeah. and who it, who it's for. Yeah, and like there was a moment here in episode four where he's talking to uh, Fennec, where Boba's talking to Fennec Shand, and he was basically like giving his whole reason for everything he's doing of basically like, oh, you can't do any. I've learned like you can't do everything alone. You need a tribe. And I'm like, we shouldn't be learning this in episode four. We should be learning this in like episode one or two. And you, t- you call it the book of Bo- book of Boba Fett. So to me, it's like, oh, you could have done chapter one, two, and three is like the see the Tuscan chapter. Then you have the chapter where he's in Tatooine. And then like you have the structure right there to do these mm. chapters. And it, it, I don't know. It just feels like this show is mm. the pacing. is a big problem for sure. It feels like they're just kind of, there's not really any thought into any, yeah. any of the episodes. It just feels like the kind of begin and end and that's it. And there's not really like a through line of theme or anything like yeah. that. I don't know. I'm, I'm very confused of why we even had this show. Like you said, you get now and you think, Oh, the, we're really after the races now and it's it's like you're you're only really thinking that because they're gonna bring in another character from another yeah. show that well it's more because like the, the another show the title of this episode is the gathering storm and it's like okay we've already gathered the mod kids we're getting uh we've got black chrysanthemum in the fold you know i feel like this is more like okay we've gathered this is kind of like the oceans 11 gathering the crew to then go do the heist go do the thing but also we should have I don't know. It was. It just felt like very out of order to me. Where I feel like yeah. if they had told this linearly, and you just have, and I almost feel like in a way having him into Mandalorian because all of the stuff of like him getting his armor back and like a lot of his introduction. I don't want to say wasted because it perfectly worked in the Mandalorian, but it's like that's all this kind of stuff you'd want in his own show. So now it's like we've seen peak Boba. So what are we supposed to do now? Yeah, the structure for this should have been Boba Fett is. Uh, from episode one, he's kind of trying to take over the the, the crime syndicate. Now he has these problems, and he has to kind of go episode to episode, kind of gathering together a team to take on the crime syndicate. That should have been... If they wanted a structure, yeah. that could have been it. But right now, there is no structure, and it feels very aimless. And we're, we're already, what, two episodes from the end, and I, I don't really even have a clear idea of what the, like who the villain is or, like, what... Yeah. I, I feel very... Much like we just spent half this season getting to what should have been like the the premiere of the season. Yeah, definitely. All right. Any other final thoughts on Book of Boba Fett? I'm glad it's it's wrapping up, Joe. And I I'm curious. Uh, you, you know that the Din Djarin is I'm sure coming next week, and I wonder for what state he's going to be in. We haven't seen him in a while. He was kind of left in the middle of this this emotional moment, and we don't know what's up with him. We don't know what's up with uh, uh, Katie Sackhoff's character. We, I would, I'm curious who, who we'll get and how much of the tissue is going to be laid here for the future of the of Mandalorian and how much it's just going to be like, oh, thanks for the help, Din, and he heads off. You know, <laughs> is it going to be a cameo or is it going to be like a setup for the for the future of the character? I'm honestly just because of everything, I would not be surprised if he's not like a a prominent part of the next three episodes. I think he's like basically going to be part of the crew for the next three episodes to help him take out the pikes. It was kind of like a, Hey, you helped me with Grogu. I'm going to help you with the pikes type. Deal. And do you think it's just Jin or do you think we see uh, Bo-Katan or any of the other characters that are among that crew? I'm trying to think who else is there. Okay. We're definitely not getting what's her face. Um, oh, of course not. But yeah. Uh, we could get, he could pop. I could see Din popping over to get Cobb Vanth. Cobb Vanth, that would be awesome. The Marshal. 
That would no, actually maybe all, all, all you need is him, you know, Din going over and being like, hey, we need your help with the pikes. And Din's like trying to explain and Cobb Vance like, hey, the pikes have been a problem for us over here, too. So I'll gladly help you. Boom. There you go. Cobb Vance is part of the team. Yeah, you, this is kind of the you mentioned that as kind of the gathering up of the characters. And I wonder how much of it's going to be the gathering up for the end of Boba Fett and also for kind of yeah. what we get next. And yeah. What kind of the goal of this character? Like, we've heard that Crimson Dawn has, has been teased a little bit, and they haven't shown up at all. And I, mean, I kind of wonder, are they going to be the the Mephisto of this, where it all kind of seems like it? The, the all the carrots are there that it never really is just anything else, you know? Yeah. Uh, but or is it going to be kind of a thing that shows up at the end? Because my th- theory right now is that maybe Crimson Dawn is teased at the end of this show, and then becomes kind of a primary antagonist of. Mandalorian season three or sort of the feature of that. that. So I can see see them being like, Oh, we we solved this one problem, but now look at this good thing. We have this team together now. Yeah. It's like, uh, they, uh, like a post credit scene is almost as Din maybe Din Jaren helps Boba Fett fight against the pikes. And now that he's taken his helmet off willy nilly, you see, and post credit scene is Amelia Clark sitting in her office or, you know, whatever, sitting somewhere on a ship and someone approaches and it's like, Hey, uh, our Pike Syndicate's been wiped out, and we have like the we have you know evidence of the men responsible, and we just see Boba Fett and Din Djarin standing next to each other, and then boom, and then it just says the Mandalorian will appear Christmas twenty twenty two. Yeah, I'm sure we'll get a tease for Mandalorian because we have no idea what that show holds for us at the future yeah. now. So yeah, I think it'll be really curious to see. You know, I'll, I'll complain about characters crossing over being like the only appeal yeah. of go, of, uh, this, at this point of the show, but yeah. it's like it'll be cool to see where they're at. You know, yep. Hearing more and more about someone else appearing in this show, and we'll see how that plays out. Yeah, I, uh, we'll see how that plays uh, out. A lot of things I, I just, heard about this show just, that we were talking about. Oh, that's probably going to happen, and we're totally going to happen. And then it, it has not happened. So yeah. Well, all right. You ready to move on to our next topic? Just say, <laughs> I don't think Boba Fett's going to be riding solo. I'll say that. Yeah, let's uh, let's let's go forward. All right. So our next topic is we have the Moon Knight trailer that dropped uh, earlier this week. I think that dropped Friday evening after we recorded our last week's episode of uh, the review. So it didn't make our cut, or no, it premiered on. It was on a sport. One of the it, sports. I, yeah, it appeared on, during one of the NFL games this last weekend. So I think maybe sad. It was sad, or I don't know. One of them days. <laughs> it was last weekend sometime, so it's a little late to talk about it, but this is what we do. Disney Plus Weekly Review. We're here to talk about Disney Plus. I'm going to say I really like the trailer. We were talking how um, Book of Boba Fett didn't, uh, hasn't appeared very cinematic and looks a lot like television. If you had said, I mean, I've, I've known this is coming out. I know it's a TV show. If they had, if that trailer, same exact how it was cut, ended with coming to theaters Halloween 2022, I would have been like, okay. I wouldn't have been like, oh, that looks like TV. Like, that looks bad. The only thing that throws me off a little bit is the costume and, like, the CG with the costume reminds me of the show that was on uh, NBC around, like, the 2010 time called The Cape. Um, but <laughs> other than that, I'm, I'm probably the only person in the world that's watched The Cape because it lasted one season. Six-season movie, Joe. Yeah. Uh, but other than that, Oscar Isaac, it's kind of weird that like one of the best actors working today is doing a Disney plus show, but Hey, capitalism, baby. That's, you know, get that, get that bread, Mr. Oscar Isaac. So, 
Uh, I really like the trailer. It shows out. I don't really know a whole lot about Moon Knight except for what I've read on the upcoming of this show coming out with his like multiple personalities and like some weird chaos stuff. But Ethan Hawke looks really cool as this like cult leader looking figure. Uh, what are your thoughts? What do you think? Ah, oh, darn it! Uh, I had a great point I was about to. The oh, guy that directed the card. The, the guy that directed the card counter and First Reformed. He also wrote Taxi Paul Driver. Schrader. Paul Schrader. What do you think his thoughts are on the fact that <laughs> uh, the two the stars of his last two movies are starring in a Disney Plus TV series? Like I, I would tell you, Joe, but I'm sure there'd be a lot of typos, a lot of uh, casual, casual offensiveness going on in that post. So I'm not gonna I'm gonna air lightly on that. <laughs> okay. Uh, but uh, yeah, I think uh, I'm looking forward to Moon Knight a lot. I think I I'm not familiar familiar with the character but i have read some of his highlights and uh when i saw the show was coming out i've been making a point to go through and read some of his, his stuff because i do think these disney plus shows are an excuse for me to kind of go back and use my marvel limited that i pay monthly for to go check out some of the classics of these characters so i've been reading some of moon knight's older uh stuff he he runs around with the ghost rider kind of crowd of people where it's like in the horror vein of marvel he first appeared in uh werewolf by night who also got some rumors or maybe even an announcement for a Disney plus special next year for Halloween. So I could see Moon Knight being a way to kind of set up their, their Halloween horror verse of the Marvel side. You know, they want to have like a, a dark Marvel universe versus like the more kind of fun, whimsical Marvel universe. And I think this could be a way to kind of wedge out their little, their little side of that universe, bring out blade in there, you know, bring out the black Knight from uh, Eternals, put them in there. I think that could be a fun little, subculture of the marvel cinematic universe to explore so i'm looking forward to it yeah i've seen so i I use tiktok like a 14 year old girl but i think all the those apps are generally like what you make of it if you watch like certain content it kind of steers you to that content so i see a lot of like marvel superhero stuff and a lot of people think like that's where kind of disney plus is headed is you're gonna have blade black knight moon knight all team up as kind of like this justice league dark type of group yeah, I think that would be a great move for them because they have the Young Avengers type thing building up and they have their secret wars after that. So I could almost see like they have the Young Avengers, they have their like dark Avengers and then maybe their secret wars or kind of bigger events like that. They could kind of bring a couple other characters together, you know, and you could see Ghost Rider show up in Secret Wars, but not necessarily show up with like Ms. Marvel or something like that, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so Sam Elliott from the, I mean, Nicolas Cage is great. But can we get Sam Elliott from, you know, the Nicolas Cage movie as his version of Ghost Rider on a horse? Uh, that would be awesome, Joe. I would love, I'm really curious to see who they pick in some of these characters. You know, they have some really interesting and darker characters. Like Moon Knight can go to some really dark horror places, like very gothic horror places. And I wonder how dark they'll actually go with it and what they'll push. And obviously it's not going to be like, you're not going to be ripping arms off and bleeding everywhere. He's not gonna be like a hard hard r or anything like that but i think it'll be we did see an arm get ripped off this week on disney plus i'll just say that not blood everywhere but an arm was ripped off i was happy about that i think i i think i may have called that at some point that we were gonna see a wookie actually rip somebody's arm off on the show i think you did i think i'll take points yeah <laughs> oh, can I right. can I go back really quick? I was gonna bring something up for the book of Boba Fett. I know we've moved on. Oh, yeah. uh, do you know who plays Black Chrysanthemum? I do not. So that is Carrie Jones, who I'm sure you don't know, uh, but no. he is in fact an Emmy winner 
Uh, he has won an Emmy for uh, makeup that he won because he's usually a makeup artist, but he's six foot seven, and uh, he won a makeup Emmy makeup award for uh, his work on The Walking Dead. So I just wanted to bring oh, that up. That we that's have, cool. That we have an Emmy award winner uh, working in Book of Boba Fett, just as you know, an actor instead of a. Yeah, we got some award winners on Moonlight too, so I'm excited to see how that works out. Because Ethan Hawke, he's had interviews where he says he doesn't like superhero stuff, and now he's in this, so it'll mm-hmm. be fun to see someone in a role who has doesn't have this like childish, not childish, but like this childhood built up uh, nostalgia for these characters, you know. Mm-hmm. So they're not going to be playing it from like a point of 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 love or anything like that. They're like, oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna camp this up. I I hope that Ethan Hawke goes all in because I feel sure. like. He's built for like a crazy villain performance, and I can't wait to check it out. Yeah, you got some high caliber stuff like Oscar Isaac, Ethan Hawke. Like those are those are at high genuine movie stars in this show. So you just need to reach it for the for the good stuff on this one. Yeah, I'm I'm fully on board of like Ethan Hawke's either gonna die or just be like in prison where they don't have to bring him up again because I don't see him signing like a general like a Marvel contract of like I'll do seven projects I see him more being like I will do this one show and then I will be done yeah I definitely think he's probably not making it out of the show alive you know (laughs) uh who knows maybe he could do the thing where he he shows up like uh uh the Batman before him I can't remember the actor's name now Michael Keaton he just shows up once in a while and probably cashes paychecks for Sony to show up for like a couple of days you know to get some money I also want to shout out to uh, Justin Benson and Aaron Moorhead, who were the directors of some of my favorite sci-fi movies, The Endless uh, and Ritual, uh, some really great indie sci-fi stuff that I've talked about a lot on our other shows. And they're involved uh, as directors and writers on Moon Knight. So I think they're going to bring a lot of fun sci-fi weirdness to it. And if they're able to bring some of their, their work that I've seen them do in other stuff, I think this could be a really trippy, fun experience for me. And knowing my taste, I think I'm going to be really into the show. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely seems like it'll be fun. I'm hoping it goes like a little bit more darker than a lot of the stuff we've seen on the uh, MCU side of uh, Disney Plus. But you know, it looks promising from everything we've seen so far. I'm definitely intrigued in watching. I mean, I'm I, I, even if we weren't doing this show, I'd still 100% watch it. So yeah, I agree. Uh, there's there's definitely been shows we've talked about where I would not watch it, but this is one where I would absolutely be day like moment to moment staying up to midnight to watch the episodes because i'm really really excited for this one yeah especially because oscar isaac is you know a big figure and someone twitter likes this is definitely a show i'm going to be waking up at three fifteen for every more every wednesday morning to uh watch so i can go on twitter the next day and not get spoiled does he keep that british accent the whole time joe or is that no just i think that's one of his personalities i think one of because he has the multiple person i think one of his personalities has the british accent yeah, I agree with you. I think that he's going to be in his traditional accent the whole t- most of the time, and that British accent in the teaser might be kind of like a fake out to people who are like, "Oh, why is he talking about this crazy British mm-hmm. accent?" And then when we get to the movie or to the, to the series, that won't be that whole thing. Yep. Yep. And uh, you ready to move on to our next topic? I'm ready. What do we got next, Joe? Oh, I figure I'll uh, run this one, take care of this. You don't have to talk that much. Uh, we are going to be talking about the Owl House. This is a project, you know, thing on Disney Plus I'm very passionate about. It's about this character uh, who lives in a house made of owls. If you don't know, that's a pretty cool thing because not everyone's house is made of owls. Some people have brick houses. Some people have wood houses. Some people have stone houses. But this house is an owl house. 
Uh, Tristan, what are your thoughts on my <laughs> review of the Owl House? Yeah, you were uh, not not very close, but you um, know you were in the in uh, the vein a little bit, you know. Uh, yeah, the Owl House was a, a, a one for me that I watched. Joe, I don't think has has seen a, seen a single uh, second of it, but nope. Uh, last week I mentioned that uh, I want to kind of do a little, some more deep cut, some stuff that might be outside of our wheelhouse or our Owl House, if you will. Uh, and uh, Joe mentioned how we don't quite cover stuff that is for like younger younger audiences and stuff that might not be for you know our 20 something dudes who want to watch star wars shows and argue about boba fett uh but this is this is uh one that i really liked a lot it was called the owl house like joe said it's now in its second season the second season dropped last year in 2021 uh i have to imagine there's going to be another season because this uh you know what it's not because uh, this uh, the second season that just premiered uh, is actually its last season, so there's only two seasons out for this. But it's a really uh, great show so far. Uh, it's a fantasy series where a young girl, she's a teenager, she's sent off to kind of like a a, a rehabilitation camp, uh, and she accidentally stumbles through a portal. So instead of going to this camp, she's pulled into a horror fantasy world with all of these crazy creatures and these demons and you know, actual magic and witches. And she's really excited. She's kind of like a, an outcast and a nerd. And she is happy to be in this fantasy world. And she's taken under the wing of the wicked witch of this kingdom and is kind of trained as her secret human apprentice. So there's a lot of cool themes in here where, of course, the the character that you would normally see as a villain who's the wicked witch and her kind of like demon sidekick are actually the heroes of this. And they have... Uh, personalities that are sure, sure they're kind of dark and they do some some twisted stuff but they're trying to change and they're trying to improve so you kind of have like these these good guys who do bad things or these bad guys who have hearts of gold at the at the center of it and then you have this happy-go-lucky main character <laughs> at the center who's trying to kind of smile in the face of all this horror and you know she sees stuff like these mutilated corpses of demons on the on the shore and then she's like kind of enraptured by how cool it is to see this demon <laughs> rather than the, the horror of this crazy creature uh so you kind of have the wide eyes of that young adult and i also liked it too because there's some really strong lgbt representation and i think that's especially uh good in kids shows to do it very casually not have it be like this big tragic thing i think a lot of times in adult shows when they try and do like a gay character it's like about how they're bullied for being gay or how their parents don't like that they're gay or something like that and it's like it's like how hard how tragic it is to be to be gay in the world and this is just like oh they're they're gay and it's fine and it's kind of just like part of the show you know and part of the 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 same way you treat any other romance in any other show you know so i thought that was a really cool way to do this and yeah i'm excited to finish it up i watched the whole first season and now knowing that the second season is the final one i'm curious to see how they wrap it up and uh what they do with all the characters and yeah i'm liking it a lot i and since it's the last season i'm curious to see what the show's creator goes out and does next because i really like this one more than i thought that i would all right yeah yeah like uh you know i've seen images from it when i was looking at images to make our uh thumbnail for this episode it looks like a 2d animated show kind of a similar animation style of like a gravity falls or something but uh yeah am i gonna watch it probably not <laughs> um, but if what you if what he said sounds interesting to you, by all means check it out. It's just 
I've got other stuff I want to watch that I'm too lazy to get around to. The number one show I've wanted to watch for like the last year and a half has been Ted Lasso. The only thing keeping me from doing that is I'm too lazy to install or figure out how to get Apple TV, either on my TV or on my computer. Either way, I just haven't gotten around to it. I will at some point. Yeah, I think if you're a fan of some kind of young adventure shows, and I think you might get something out of this, and there's arcs where it's like, oh, she meets a wizard who tells her she's the chosen one, and she has this arc of like, oh, I'm the chosen one, and I don't have to do any work, I just get to have the powers, and it's kind of like a subversion of the tropes of a genre in that way, where it's like, oh, you, you could have your chosen one arc where the character just gets their powers, doesn't really necessarily have to earn it, but you have the arc of like, oh, no, there's no chosen one. There's no magical prophecy that just makes Harry everything come true. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, and there's no Anakin Skywalker to come in here and balance the Force. And I think there's a lot of fun stuff like that. So if you want this kind of like a fun uh, fantasy adventure that has some good adult humor, too, and some good uh, character work, I think it's definitely a really fun watch. It's one that I think the family could really enjoy. It's not going to push the kids out of the room it's not going to make the adults fall asleep it's perfectly uh strikes the balance for i think everyone's going to get something out of it especially if you're a fan of like uh the fantasy genre and, and you want to see kind of the tropes of that turned up a little bit all right ready for our uh next topic let's do it joe what's next yeah, like i said check out owl house i won't but you can uh next topic is a movie that i I'm nominating for an award. And that movie is Encanto. And that award <laughs> is most overrated movie of the year. What? I watched it. The like message I got that I'm like, oh, this is going to be like the sub message of the movie, but there's going to be like a bigger message. What's the main message? And that's like, oh, you're special without your powers. I'm just like, oh, I don't care. And like, I don't know, like it just never really came together for me. I thought like there was nothing that was ever like bad. But there was nothing to me that was ever, like, great or, like, above. Like, if there was just a line going across this movie, like, it never dips too low. It maybe never even dips at all, but it never raises super high either. It's just kind of, like, this steady line of being okay or fine. Like, nothing was ever, like, oh, this is a great moment. I would, like, go, like, on YouTube to look up that scene again. It was just okay, I guess. I don't know. I will agree with you that I think the plot was slightly unambitious and it does feel like it goes along this very traditional kind of kid animation lines where it's like, oh, the family wants, doesn't understand the main character who's kind of like just different than everybody else. And then you find at the end, they kind of realize like, oh, it's okay to be different and we can all still be a family together. And yeah, you can tell where it's going to end from like the, the first scene of it, but I still thought the ride was a lot of fun. And I especially thought the animation was really impressive and, uh, we've talked about a few animated movies uh, here, and I think this one was really gorgeous, and especially the facial expressions, like the, the people's faces are so... The, the emotion you can convey in animation now is so impressive, just the wide range of excitement and awe and sorrow and fear. And I was really just very impressed by the wide wide range of emotions they can convey on these characters' faces and the cinematic quality of some of these shots. You know, there's so many points where it's like they're mimicking lens effects and it just looks so gorgeous and... I really like the world that it created, especially too. I think you, uh, you, a lot of these Pixar movies paint like really big worlds. Like I, th I think of Coco that painted like this huge underworld and all these vast kind of rules of the world and all these new connected pieces of it. And this paints a very detailed picture of a really small world. Like just within this house and this one family, you can, you get all this history and all of this kind of uh, depth to the 
to the world itself and these little tiny nooks and crannies of a house all kind of mean something and you talk about the house the setting being a character is kind of a, a cliche that people say now in a lot of movies where it's like oh the the setting itself was part of the story part of the part of the movie but i really felt like yeah the house was a character here and the, and the setting was a character here and yeah it goes along familiar beats so it's not for me one that's going to be in the top of my ear or anything like that but i definitely liked it a lot and I think uh, I'd recommend watching it, especially if you like uh, the traditional kind of musicals, because this has a lot of great musical numbers. So if you got, I, we haven't even gone over the plot really. So yeah, the plot. Uh, <laughs> I mean, you've seen it twice now, right? Yeah, I've, I've now seen it twice. So the I'll plot here know. is that uh, the there's this young girl who is among a family of people who all have specific magical powers that kind of tie into their personality types and. They all have these very specific roles and these very specific uh, powers that fit those roles. And she is the one person among the whole family who doesn't have a power. And, you know, people are kind of hitting their, their what is their puberty line, getting their power essentially, and she's not getting hers. She feels like the outcast of the family. She's kind of waiting and waiting for her power to come along. And uh, I think, yeah, that, that storyline has been told before i don't really want to go into the super details of like what how it breaks down plot wise as it goes along but yeah i think she and i think bruno she kind of hears about this guy bruno who's like the outcast of the family and they don't talk about bruno is kind of the, the big song of the movie and i think uh she kind of goes out on the out on this hunt for the guy the so-called bruno who thinks she thinks that uh he can tell her the truth of what her power is supposed to be and what her role is supposed to be and she seeks out this this uh I don't know, this wayward son of the family who that she thinks can give her a guidance to what her role is supposed mm-hmm. to be because she thinks that if she doesn't have her role and have her power that the family's going to kind of fall apart. And there's this threat to the magic that she thinks her family's all going to lose all their magic and all their powers because she can't find her role. Yeah. Yeah, like, so much of this movie was weird to me of, like, okay, she doesn't have her power, right? But also, she seems to be the only person that can communicate with the house, and that the house helps out. Like, midway through, I started watching this movie, I'm like, is the house even, like, acknowledging the fact that there's other people in the house? And the answer I discovered was no. Like, the house is, like, moving stuff, and, like, because the house is a sentient being that can control stuff and move stuff and, like, helps her out all the time. It doesn't do that for anybody else in this whole movie. So I'm like, so I feel like this is her powers, like, that she's just connected to the house. And why is no one else acknowledging this? Why is the house not helping anyone else out? And, like, that bothered me. And then at the end, there was the whole thing of, I didn't understand the ending at all of, like, I don't want to spoil it, I guess, but it didn't really make sense to me. Uh, the whole thing was weird. Like, I felt like it just didn't... I'm not one that needs everything explained, but it felt like nothing was explained. So the movie just ended, and I'm like, oh, okay, I don't know. The movie exists. I don't know why everyone's going gaga over it. I I, I was I was impressed by it. I wasn't blown away by it, but... Yeah, for me, there was definitely stuff that wasn't explained, but that was kind of the magical realism of the movie. Like, you just exist yeah. in this world yeah. where like, this is magic. <laughs> to me, I didn't need, like how does this house exist explained or like the whole candle or like everyone getting their powers, which isn't a spoiler. That's all like the first five minutes of the movie. Like I didn't need that explained. It was more everything to do with Mirabelle at the end that I was confused by. I don't know. But like what you were talking to of like impressed by the visuals and animation. I'm like, to me, we're at the point where they can make fake lions look like real lions. You can talk as much crap as you want about the John Favreau Lion King. The movie sucked, but he's, we can still, we're at the point where we're like, can do anything with animation. So it's like, okay, the animation looked good, but anything less than animation looked good 
I'm just like, well, you your animation looks bad. Uh, like I, I'm at the point where I don't care about good animation because animation should always be good unless it looks bad. In that case, you should have done better with your animation quality, if that makes sense. Sure, but you still have to appreciate steps forward, and I definitely think this is a huge step forward for their animation. I've never seen characters this expressive in a Disney movie, and especially a Disney movie that where sometimes I think Disney has occasionally gotten lazy on some of their character animation. Uh, some of their supporting characters uh, are kind of copy and paste from other assets and not necessarily very expressive or unique, and I think all of these characters looked profoundly unique and really different from each other, and yeah, they all had really distinct personalities, and I thought that was a huge step up for Disney. Something like a Frozen, a lot of the characters kind of look similar, and I think you, we, you see stuff that goes viral where it's like, oh, they repeated this asset from this character and this character and this character, and you're like, oh, okay, they, they're, they're kind of not stepping it up, and this feels like a step up. This feels like people who were involved really wanted to, to make it as best as they possibly could make it, and uh, another Lin Manuel Miranda musical. So we've had a couple of those, three of them this year, I think that is. But yeah, yeah uh, this was one of the one of the better ones. Yeah. All right. Anything else we got to say about Encanto? No, I, I sped on Disney Plus since Christmas Eve of last year. So uh, if you guys Glad haven't seen it yet, <laughs> check it out. But I'm sure you, you already have, and I I think it's a good family watch. I liked it a lot more than Joe did. Yep. All right. We do have uh, two more things to talk about. Uh, that I forgot about until midway through recording. Uh, first one, we got an announcement that uh, High School Musical, the musical season three, started filming three days ago, along with some announcements that basically the main cast is back. Uh, Corbin Blue uh, will be guest appearing as himself. And uh, I guess the uh, new season is going to be set at a camp and not a high school. So it's High School, the musical, the musical, the series. However, not set in a high school and not about high school musicals. So the title's pretty basically irrelevant at this point. Unless they're doing the uh, plot for one of the high school musical movies, then I guess maybe it'll make sense. But So like I said, Corbin Blue's back. Uh, for Hannah Montana fans, Jason Earls is going to be playing uh, the camp director of Camp Shallow Lake, which I guess is a camp they're feasting at, and apparently he's going to be like an anti-musical kind of guy. He's good, <laughs> so that's going to be my favorite character. Yeah, I know someone like that. And, uh, yeah. I mean, there's going to be a few people, but uh, no one whose name stucks out. But, yeah. So I'm thinking if they start filming this now, this will probably be, what, a late fall, Christmassy, maybe even next year kind of debut? Yeah, that's what I'm thinking with the way fielding works now. It could be a little while, especially with the fairly large cast of young people. I think it's going to be hard to maintain all of that. And yeah, yeah. it's going to be curious to see how they execute it too. <laughs> like a lot of this show is a lot is like people in rooms having conversations. So I think they'll be able to pull it off while they're not having to do kind of really big elaborate musical sequences. It's not one of those kind of musical shows, you know. So I think this show could look pretty good. And yeah, I. You know, the high school musical, too, did have them go to a summer camp, and so maybe they could kind of retread that water and and kind of tribute that a little bit. And I did read in the article they're going to do some songs, some camp rock, so we could get, you know, the crossover yeah. of of the Disney universes come together. Uh, yeah, Corbin Blue also, that'll be fun. You know, I wonder if he'll have a big role, if it'll be kind of like Ryan was in the first season where he just was in, like, a, a couple of scenes, one or two scenes of the cameo, essentially, or if he's going to be, like, a reoccurring camp counselor-type role where he's going to be there a lot as himself or something like that. I don't know. It'll be really fun to see it. After, and, this is my prediction. He's going to be there as a judge for the uh, the musical competition. 
Yeah, I think that's a good idea, especially because they could be like, oh, he's he was in High School Musical. And then they yeah. could kind of make a joke about how he wasn't even like one of the main, main yeah. characters or something. He's just like a guy who is in the movie. Yeah. <laughs> well, they make a Catch That Kid reference. Ooh, they better, you know. I'll be my ears will be primed for that. Yep. All right. We gotta get. And I I also want to mention that I think the summer camp setting is a good change because, in your when you're the same in the, you're in the same high school every season after season that could potentially get tired, so I think changing them out to a different location could be a really fun way to get the characters in a new new kind of settings and expose them to a lot of new characters, so it'll be fun to see how that all plays out. Yep. And then they're in Frozen, so we'll get some Frozen uh, musical. We got Olivia Rodrigo. What is she singing? You think? Oh, she's got to sing "Let It Go." If she ain't singing "Let It Go," what are we here for? <laughs> yeah, I'll be waiting all season for that one. All right, and apparently, according to uh, producers and showrunners, the uh, behind-the-scenes drama uh, between the two stars did not affect has not affected their you know <laughs> on-set professionalism. Uh, so, what are you gonna do? Uh, it's good to know. Made them all made them both very very rich, so I think yeah. they'll be okay. Yeah, because it's all manufactured by their agents. So, what are you gonna do? They probably broke up, and it's like they probably broke up, and it was amicable, and the agents were like, "But what if it wasn't though?" <laughs> Look, you don't write those songs with amicable breakup. That's a that's just some heart heart wrenching lyrics in there, Joe. I guess you know. Anyways, uh, one final topic. It's not that big of a news. Uh, apparently, Ahsoka Tano. It starts filming in Los Angeles either end of this month, beginning of next month. And uh, Mandalorian Season 3 finishes production on March 23rd. They're clearing out the same parking lot that they filmed Book of Boba Fett in. They're saying, you know, oh. pull did... up the dump trucks of, of sand and pour them out. We're good. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, maybe. Maybe. All right. Any other final notes on uh, Disney Plus this week? No, uh, it'll be a nice one to, uh, next week. Uh, we got not any big movies dropping, but I know we have some stuff. I'm, I'll probably check out uh, World According to Jeff Goldblum. We got some new episodes yes. of that recently, so I'm looking forward to checking that out this week. And I'll try and find another another deep cut somewhere that I can pull out for you guys. I'm gonna, I'm gonna find some stuff. For, I'm gonna find some stuff. If you can't find anything, I'll find like an old decom for you to watch. Wait, I can't remember. Were you like someone that watched a lot of decoms as a kid, or no? I watched some of the highlights. I definitely, when I was in my peak of of Disney, I was watching them all. But there's a lot of gaps in there. All right, you know? I'm, I'll maybe find some a de- an old decom for you to watch. You know, maybe find something relevant to uh, what's. I guess there's only nothing like late January, early February that's like relevant to a decom. But if you like National Treasure, which was a Disney movie, me and uh, Johnny Dupe are doing a Nick Cage podcast. This uh, we do it monthly. So the live episode is going to be out uh, tonight, Friday night, uh, on our YouTube channel, our Spotify, our, our whole shebang. So check that out. Me and Johnny go through it, uh, talk about some of the highs, some of the lows of the elaborate, crazy career of Nicolas Cage. Uh, so if you want to go on that ride for us leading up to the unbearable weight of massive talent in March, the podcast is called The Unbearable Podcast of Nick Cage's Massive Talent. So uh, check it out. Where we're fanboying about the greatest actor of all time, Nick Cage. All right. Yeah, definitely check that out. I haven't heard it yet. Uh, they didn't record it live, so uh, I'll be very interested in seeing how that went. And I'll be looking forward to future episodes. And I believe, without further ado, goodbye. Hey, thank you for watching the Movie Change Up podcast. We'd really appreciate if you liked, 
commented, subscribed, and shared us with anyone you think might be into what we're doing over here. Thank you. Have a nice day.